0: You know, I don't think that any news organization would take for granted, under any circumstances, any other demographic that was as large as this one. It's not only internalized, but it's a recognition that if people reveal their ages, they're they're might be ignored, discounted, you know, un- under under by the people or the society around them.
1: Welcome to another episode of Bylines. I'm Peter Caldas, CEO of the American Society on Aging. Ina Jaffe covers aging for NPR's Morning Edition and All Things Considered. In 2015, she was named one of the nation's top influencers in aging by the PBS publication Next Avenue, which wrote... Jaffe has reinvented reporting on aging. Jaffe also has covered politics since 2008 and developed award-winning investigative pieces on homeless vets and violence in psychiatric hospitals. Welcome to Violence, Ina.
0: glad to be here.
1: So today we're talking about reporting on aging and how it's changed over the years. I'm wondering if you could just first tell us, how did you originally start covering the aging beat?
0: Well, um actually, nPR just offered it to me when it first began an aging beat. Um, it was a new beat, and um I had been covering politics and social issues up until that point. um I was pretty happy doing that, and actually, I have to admit, I hesitated when they offered me the job. Um, I like I said was pretty happy doing what I was doing, and I needed some time to think about it and then i realized that I could walk out the door with a microphone in my hand and find a good story probably in about 10 minutes to do with aging and to do <laughs> and to talk to an older person. And so I said, yes, I've never looked back, and I've never been sorry, and it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done.
1: That's wonderful. So how has it changed uh, in, in the years that you've been covering the aging piece?
0: How has it changed your how have I? How has
1: your coverage? How does your coverage change? Excuse me. Yes. How has your coverage changed?
0: Um, well, I, I think I've I've learned more and been able to delve more deeply into issues. Um, I, I bring more to it um, because I know more as as the years have gone by. Um, I began this in 2012, and early on, I. Did a series of stories on people who were working into their 60s, 70s, and beyond. Um, and it was a good series. There were wonderful profiles, if I say so myself, some of them anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, I didn't bring a lot um, of my own information to it. And I did a similar series much more recently. And um, I was aware. Of issues to do with finance, with struggles, um, economic struggles of older adults, with um, health issues um, driving their agendas, with uh, the role that volunteering plays. And I was able to structure the series much more around that than I had at the original one that I did. So those are really the, you know, because they're almost the same kind of ideas. Uh, that's the easiest way to show the comparison in, in what I've learned and the way I approach things now.
1: So, what might you say to reporters who are new to covering aging? How should they approach the topic?
0: Well, um, <laughs> you know, if you're a beat reporter, um, this really isn't any different than starting any other beat. You know, you look for your sources, you look for people who are going to help you connect with the people in the community that you're covering, um, you know, there's no secret sauce. Anybody should be able to do this. What people have to be aware of is their own internalized ageism um, that they, you know, we don't always realize that we have that. Um, And, you know, they're talking to people, a demographic that's probably, more diverse in terms of experience and in terms of ability than any other demographic um, in terms of uh, physical capabilities or in terms of um, life experience and so they need to be aware of that and um, also they need to be aware that old people aren't intrinsically cute.
1: I wanna turn to all things ageism in just a second, because I I imagine you have um, a lot of experience in identifying it and trying to to, to eliminate it. But first, let's talk a little bit about the existence of reporters in aging. I I suspect with uh, local news eliminating so many beats or or consolidating them, um, what do you think uh, that says about, uh, maybe the media or even readers or listeners uh about about aging,
0: well, you know it 's really sort of a tragedy uh of what 's happening to local news it 's being hollowed out, and at a time when a fifth of the country is going to be sixty five years or older um in um, we need more coverage of this than ever and Yet, uh, local news um, is eliminating uh, positions, eliminating beats, um, outsourcing more of their coverage. And um, it's really uh, sad. It's 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 a a sad state of affairs. And I don't really know what to do about it because it's more economic um, than anything else.
1: And yet so many consumers, to your point, will be uh, over 65. So you would think that the content would actually be in higher demand and that newsrooms would be better equipped and prepared for that kind of business decision, right?
0: Well, um, you would think. (laughs) They're looking to their futures. They're looking to their futures. and. They're looking to attract younger readers and listeners because they think that they'll be with them longer. And so um, older adults are just sort of part of their um, taken-for-granted, I suppose you could say, um, readers yeah. or listeners. And okay. so they think they don't have to do anything extra to get them. and it's younger listeners and readers that news media are going after because that's the future as far as they're concerned.
1: Well, at the ASA, I can tell you, we think that that kind of thinking is actually ignoring an entire class of consumers of information. Uh, and so well, uh, we suspect that's probably due because of ageism, Right
0: um well it's it's not an entirely ageism as as I've just explained it's it's uh economics and uh and survival for them looking towards their futures um, but um oh gee, I just lost my train of thought but um I think it's it's um taking people for granted that um you know there's a lot of news consumption among older people, um, and it's just relying on that to perpetuate itself without having to reach out to anybody. You know, I don't think that any news organization would take for granted, under any circumstances, any other demographic that was as large as this one. So maybe that's where ageism comes into play. I don't know. Mm. But
1: that's a really a interesting point.
0: Unusual- it would be very unusual if you said, you know, you don't need to cover uh, Hispanic Americans or uh, the Black community or whatever, any other community that is a fairly large and substantial and important part of this country's tapestry.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. So let's let's dive into some of the ageism. Um, that you've that you've uh, alluded to. How does it affect whether it's news judgment or reporting or maybe even the content that gets reported? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Um, I, I don't. I haven't. I've been fortunate that I haven't run into a lot of that at my news network at NPR. Um, my stories are welcomed. Sometimes in this current news climate, they have to wait a little while to get on the air. <laughs> but, um, uh, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's something that I ha- fortunately haven't had to worry too much about it. I encounter it in all kinds of different ways. I encounter it sometimes when I'm interviewing, uh, people and I ask them their age and they know that I cover older adults and they know why I'm there, you know, to cover the particular Activity that they're engaged in that is geared towards older people, um, and yet they they just hesitate they're not going to tell me their age and I found that uh being older myself, one thing that helps is that I can say, "Well, I'll tell you what I'll tell you mine first, and then they usually <laughs> tell me theirs but um it's it's um you know the ageism is internalized, although I can't really blame people. Um, it's not only internalized, but it's a recognition that if people reveal their ages, um, they're they're might be ignored, discounted, you know, under under underappreciated by the people or the society around them. And so they've learned to just keep their mouths
1: shut. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think the anti-ageism movement has made any in
0: We had a little drop out there. Could you please ask the question again?
1: Of course. Hello? Do you think the, yes, do you think the anti-ageism movement has made any inroads into public opinion?
0: Not a lot, unfortunately. I, I really don't see um, a lot of change. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot more discussion of it, but it's, I see it mostly among people who you would expect to be sensitive to it, to be aware of it, to be fighting it. Um, I don't know how much it's really penetrated the wider community. Um, one of the um, part of the evidence of that is is the expression that was uh, popular for a little while called OK Boomer um mm. i still run into that occasionally although um at the point where i thought i might do a story on it many many months ago um i realized there were so many articles on it already it was kind of losing its sting <laughs> but um you know there that those things do come up um i do see generational warfare articles if i can call them that um in major respected publications. um, You know, the term silver tsunami has not gone away as if um, the aging of the population, which is a global phenomenon, I should say, not just in the United States, as if the aging of the population was only going to be destructive, was going to be sudden, was going to be something that one couldn't even prepare for, like a tsunami, um, which I, I just find this, like an incorrect term, inaccurate term, as well as an ageist term. Um, so I, I, w- I wish things were better, but um, I'm, I'm really not seeing it.
1: Mm. And how do you think? What, what, what's your take on perhaps how the media, other media outlets, perhaps have dealt with some ageist language, maybe during the presidential campaigns or, or even in their coverage of, of the pandemic?
0: Um, <laughs> let me just say that Saturday Night Live's coverage has made me cringe. Um, uh-huh. They have absolutely nothing except ageism jokes. And it, it's it's really, really unfortunate. Um, you know, a, on the other hand, you have um, a president of the United States who says, I'm going to paraphrase here, I know I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but he says it speaking of the pandemic, it only affects the elderly or the elderly with heart conditions. It affects almost nobody yeah, maybe that's why polls indicate that President Trump is losing some support amongst. Older people that he had four years ago, uh, but the pandemic has really brought out ageism in 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 a bright light, in a very bright light.
1: Yes, it's an unusual uh, campaign strategy, indeed, to go after a. A voting block that is really part of any coalition building effort to try and get reelected. It's it's very unusual. And and I should note, we're actually recording this a week before uh, the end of our election season. So um, uh, I won't ask you to prognosticate on on the outcome, but I I really value your observations. I think language is so critical, whether it's in um, trusted, coming from trusted. journalistic sources or even in pop culture as you highlighted with with SNL and, and other and other sort of Hollywood mainstream uh, TV shows depict so how do you think our readers and listeners who are as you know uh, professionals in the aging services sector could perhaps contribute to changing that narrative what can they do?
0: Oh, boy, I'm not one to give advice very much. (laughs) It's sort of not really my (laughs) role as a reporter. Um, You know, I think um, I have nothing much to teach um, your members that um, I only want to thank them for the work that they do and the contributions that they make and, you know, what... um, individuals can do in terms of speaking out and advocacy um, probably varies quite a bit, Um, but nobody is a greater advocate for older people than your members, Um, and they really don't need any advice from me.
1: (laughs) That is very, very generous of you, and I know our ASA members are really fighting hard to to help change the narrative, and, and candidly, during this pandemic, are just on the front lines and and doing the hard work. And I know they wish that more of the more accurate reporting about the impact on our population um, is is being done. And uh, I'm just grateful that that you're such a wonderful. Um, reporter on on the aging beat i think it's just critical to have this beat covered and i just want to thank you Ina, for for joining us today on Bylines.
0: well thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh like i say when it comes to my beat i consider myself lucky